So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this June 12, 2013 edition of Everybody Connect. I'm Rego Shields. And off to my left, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm good. I'm good. Hearing a little feedback on the line, but that's okay. Good morning. Yeah, well, I was wondering if that was maybe your speakers that were playing or uh, could be on the, uh, the other end yeah, uh, in the U.K., perhaps. Maybe. Could be. Could be. But, um, yes, I'm feeling much better for our listeners. I'll just do a quick once over on uh, the whole health thing. Woke up this morning, no rain, and uh, the sun's not exactly shining, but that's okay. Functioning well. Kept my promise. Started drinking oodles of water, um, and uh, it's working. So don't worry about me. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so good to have those updates as opposed to the other ones like last night. But Well, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I know that our listeners are, are – some of them actually have some of these disorders. So, you know, these ups and downs, I think, help them understand that they're going to have ups and downs. <laughs> you know, so it's um, – it's important to to remember when on those down days that tomorrow is probably going to be an update as long as you keep focusing on that as being your reality and not thinking that you're just going to keep going down, 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 down. Oh, Lord, here's another crash. I've done it again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Turn it around as fast as you can. Catch what you're doing that's not making your body overly happy. Take a day rest. Honor your body's request and its needs, and you'll be fine. And it's important for them to know about those up and down days, but um, I will point out that you used to have mostly down days, and now you have mostly up days. Almost never the down day. So, yes, fibromyalgia is not a death sentence, people. It can be turned around. It's not. Absolutely. Much anything can be, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. As our guests have proven time and time again, MS, cancer, um, you know, you, you with your neuropathy, it can be turned around. You just have to make friends with your body and start a communication and, and start looking for solutions and then honor your body and give it what it needs, get what it needs. And, and you'll find your way to health and well-being, I promise. Absolutely. Even if it's all the way in Costa Rica. Absolutely. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to keep it short this morning because uh, we have a, a 
busy man from the UK who um successful author and has also changed his life and turned it around and he's here to talk about how he did that. Absolutely. And we're thrilled to have him fun stories. Joining us from the UK the, this morning. That would be uh one reason that we're having a a morning show and and the fun to be able to have Wednesday that we can be flexible now with uh, because it used to be so difficult. When we, well, you can join us at 3 a.m. or you can not. And that's always <laughs> tough to sell. And um, so Australian guests, no problem. It's like 9 in the morning for them during our normal evening show. So uh, we get the time travel thing there. But uh, uh, as you mentioned, author and uh, uh, known in the uh, in the UK as the standards guy, we have with us this morning Derek Mills. Welcome, Derek. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you, uh, Rick, for having me here. Thank you, Gene. It's a pleasure to be here. So glad we it's could. It's our work pleasure out. to have you. Absolutely, absolutely. I love this Wednesday show. It allows for for so much diversity. Who <laughs> 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 does? Wow. Really does. So we'll get right right into it and ask you the first question, and then uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Who who on earth are you, and what do you do? I'm a guy that woke up to the uh, the real essence of who I am as a human being, and I I'm on that journey, continually doing that, continually re- revealing more of myself to myself. And what I realized as I, uh, as I woke up and as I continued to travel is that the essence of my being is around helping others with that which I discover is inside of me. So the more I find out about what I, what I am and who I am and what gifts and the talents and abilities and passions are inside of me, the real joy comes from by helping other people to release that inside of them. To, have to make their lives and their world, or even maybe even the world, you know, a better place and uh, an easy place for some. Well, there's a little bit of brilliance first thing in the morning for our listeners. That's awesome. Right, that's a fine cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> it is. I could drink that every day. Yeah, you know, it's one of those uh, things where it's interesting. I think the the essence of who we all are as human beings is not just an on-off situation. It's not just a good, bad, black, white, on-off. I think there are degrees that we are ourselves and degrees that we are not ourselves. And for a very large um, portion of my life, I was clearly uh, in the not very much of self. And as that, uh, as that shifted, the most incredible thing, which I still get excited about every single time I talk about it, as I became more of myself, more talents kept repeating themselves to me, which made me realize I must have had those talents with me all the difficult years that I suffered in the last 18, in the previous 18 years. And that's, that's interesting. It is interesting because so many of us are unaware of it. And that's, you know, pretty much why we do the show. I'm in our lives, you know, telling ourselves that we're talentless or... Uh, I wish I was good at something, uh, which is kind of silly because, like you said, you discover these talents later and they were there, just a little overlooked. Yeah, quite a lot. 
so you talk about um, difficulties that you had, and if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that and sharing a little bit about how or why you turned it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I mean, firstly, it's, it's worth um, just saying that uh, I didn't figure things out or begin to figure things out because that's 38 years old. So uh, you might argue on one level I'm a slow learner, <laughs> but uh, you know, 18 years as an, as an adult before I figured things out. Um, but also, what that does, I think, it allowed me to to really empathise and understand people from a whole cross section of the world, from different faiths and religions and beliefs and backgrounds and financial circumstances and socio-economic groups. Um, and when I look back at things now. I, I was absolutely blessed to have had the trauma and the tragedies and the problems I had in my early life and as an adult. They now are a blessing, which have allowed me to help others to, you know, to change their lives and to wake up to their genius. Because um, when I was 13 years old, I know, um, my parents immigrated from Jamaica to England. And um, when they got to England, they got married and then had seven children. When I was age 13 years old, my mother unexpectedly died. I got home one day and um, a neighbor burst into the house and just shouted that, uh, you know, Mavis was dead, Mavis is dead. And she began crying and I realized in that moment, the reason my mother wasn't here, she wasn't home yet, because she died earlier on that day. And um, it's really the shock my story. I really think that my story begins there. Because that's the place where I lost the woman who I, uh, you know, loved the most, and her, the shock of her death gave me a speech impediment. I was unable to speak for about a week or two after she died. Um, I think part of that was not accepting that she was gone. I really did not believe that, and I absolutely dreamt that first night that she was still alive. It was just a dream, and the next morning she was there in her blue dressing gown, and it was only upon wait- awakening. My um, that first night that I realized it was actually reality. She was dead and I couldn't speak. And when I began to speak, um, when I went back to school, I had this incredible stutter and found I couldn't speak properly. And that was the first real, um, you know, that's where the first drop in self-esteem and drop in confidence and when I went even further inside myself. Um, you know, after that, I, in my 20s, I got married. Um, I didn't figure things out, so... Not only did I have a speech impediment, I didn't work out money. <laughs> I worked out how to be broke. I worked out how to have debts. I worked out how to work six days a week and not and just about pay your bills. I worked out how to have the sheriff in your house, the bailiff. I worked out how to have um, to save my house from repossession, from foreclosure, and I worked out how to not be myself. And I did all this by thinking that, that I should have my life be what others thought it should be, what the world would think of me and make of me and do with me. And I just followed that along. And um, I became depressed as well as broke. Funny thing is, I did this for 18 years. Once I became an adult, 18 years, only at age 38, did I realize the reason why I was unhappy, depressed, broken, in all the areas that mattered to me, my relationships, my business and health and stress, which because I wasn't me, it wasn't my life. I had not been living the life that, was, that had been entrusted to me. I've been living some. I've been living some other life that wasn't mine. And I, in, a, in, a, in a moment, which I call the first ten seconds, I realised that God, the Creator, Source, the Universe, had given this part of life to me 
And I'd actually given up on using that part of life. I didn't realize this was my gift. And I should be living my life in love of everybody else, in light of the universe, in love and help for everybody else, but living my life because this part of the light of the universe was given to me. And I wasn't able to share that light until I was 38 years old. And when I did, everything changed. Yeah, you can say that again. Now that you have me just on the verge of tears, because um, that's what a, a beautiful and powerful way of expressing that. What is it that clicked for you? I mean, there had to, you said it was like literally 10 seconds of, holy crap, awareness. <laughs> Um, Seeing clearly for the first time in your life, what caused that? I mean, I genuinely believe that um, that we're all part of this oneness. Now, whether you're a spiritualist or a quantum physicist, we know that energetically, spiritually, there is just this oneness. Um, We have separate parts of that, which is individual. We also, I've become to uh, learn that we're all we're all part of the same thing, and even if that thing were, you know. uh, like like a machine where every part is looking to support the other part and when it recognizes what you should be doing, it's there to support you. I genuinely uh, now know that as part of that oneness, the universe is regularly speaking to us to help us and ask us and, and cajole and tickle us and guide us into being the, the gift that we came here as, that the very essence of who we came here as, the spirit, the, the, the energy, the light, and it speaks to us in, in with, you know, with words and messages and incidents and questions and phrases and ideas. But like many people, many of us uh, don't achieve what, what we might call happiness and success because you don't pay attention to the fact that we're all part of the oneness and that the universe is literally actively working to speak with us and through us to get us to wake up and play our part, the part that we came here as. Um, so the, what happens, happened for me is I began to recognize that once I woke up, I was woken up by the simplest of questions. And I absolutely believe and I know that the universe sent that question into my life, as it probably had done many times before. But I, in this moment, I, I paid attention to the question. So about eight years ago, nine years ago, I'm, I'm in my office and um, I'm depressed. And you know, I, I rarely say I'm depressed. I tend to say I'm clinically unhappy. <laughs> it's a bit softer than saying I'm depressed. Um, and I'm not, not seeing my wife, not seeing my children, and uh, got clients I'm driving all over England to see, and they're abusing my service and my trust, and no one really cares that I've got a family, and, you know, Tom working weekends to see these people, and, and evenings, and it just seems to me that no one cared. I had friends you can count on just two fingers, and um, one night I'm in the office, and it's about 9.30 in the evening, and, and the security guard comes in and simply says, you know, it's time to lock up. I asked for more time. I said, give me 10 more minutes. And then he said, okay. And he walked away again. And it's really interesting what was delivered to me in the next couple of minutes because he came back after 10 minutes and said, "Um, no, it's time now. I said, just give me two more minutes. And he kind of looked at his watch to say, like, you know, he didn't say this out loud, but it was almost 10 o'clock in the evening. He just said to me, what time do you get in this morning? And that one question changed the whole of my life. Because as he walked away, the whole of my being just kind of held and was frozen to that spot in my office. And it said to me, I've been in 
since 7 that morning, 7 a.m., up since 6. It was now 10 in the evening. This is my regular pattern, destroying my relationship with my children, with my wife and my father, my brothers and sisters, and not being happy, being stressed, being unhealthy, regularly going to the doctors, feeling depressed and broke. And in that moment, what came through me was, was a voice or feelings and concepts that came through me. And in that moment, I recognized it was my voice. I don't know if you've ever had this where you, you, many things come to you, but you say, hold on a second, this is different. And that difference was my, I recognized the voice as being my own. And it told me many things. It said, no, Derek, you're not happy because you're not who you truly are. And you can't be truly happy as not you. And it said, well, what you really have been doing for the last 18 years is setting goals. And goals, by definition, means you set yourself up for happiness into the future. There is no such thing as happiness into the future. It's a narrow experience to stop setting goals. Stop doing what the experts told you to do and start living by daily standards set from inside of you. Who are you really? Be that person and be that person just one day at a time in a way that keeps you happy in the present time and keeps you now. And these thoughts and concepts and things that come through and such as, you know, stop setting goals, start setting daily standards, which are criteria, basis, levels, qualities and rules to live by. But set them within my spirit, not from the external world, not from my ego, not from my mind, not from the company, the community, not from the industry, the media, the newspapers, the radio, but from the truth that I came here as. Set stands my life in that place. And in this whole concept, it's, I can hardly describe it as words. The word I tend to use is more like it came to me as, to me as concepts. And in that moment, which I just call the 10-second moment, it took just seconds for me to literally wake up and realize what was happening for me and what my why things weren't working out. And that's why I called the book The 10 Second Philosophy. It's not, a, it's not a philosophy you can give someone in 10 seconds, but it's one that came to me and has been coming to me ever since that moment. And, and so how do you see security guards from Austin Guy? Because he was catalyst, really. Absolutely. Um, for, for a life-changing moment. And how do you transition from where you were? I mean, that would be my next big question. Um, we've had so many different guests on the show, and Rick and I have gone through a similar journey and had that similar wake-up you're not you call start being you and and the transition for us i'm not going to say it's been smooth because there's a lot that we've had to let go of and many of the guests that we've had on there's a lot that they've had to let go of preconceived notions and and ideals um and and untruths basically that had to be broken down or let go of and released before take your next step so how did you bridge the gap between who Derek Mills is and who Derek Mills thought he was yeah I think one of the, uh, the challenges I think that uh, Gene that we that we all face at times in our life um, is a, a lack of ability to trust ourselves and we live our lives based upon trusting pretty much everybody else um, with our lives you know that could be the media, the industry, the company, people that we know, friends, whoever. Um, we take advice from anywhere. And when I realized that, you know, that had gotten me to a place where I, the very office that I'm in right now, um, the, it got me to a place where I said, look, if I want to live one more day on this planet, 
I'm going to do it as me, the person I came here as. And um, the reality of it for me was that I was already in a really bad place. So I was really, really willing to be me. And often the challenges with all of us is that when things aren't bad enough, <laughs> we don't even look inside. And things aren't, when things aren't bad enough, even when we do look inside, we don't take action from that place. Well, I had a blessing. My life was really bad and I was really down. So I looked inside and discovered, as I do now, discovered more of my truths. And most importantly, I began to take action from that place. So I stayed in the same business, working uh, as a self-employed or which means commission-only agent, uh, for the same organization. And um, I began, I made a commitment to myself, I'm going to do this as me, this life as me, by daily standards set from within. Um, I set standards around the days I would work, no more working weekends. Um, no, really important, if, if heaven sends angels to you in the guise of your wife and your children, your husband, your spouse, your brothers, your sisters, if heaven sends you angels, spend time with them. And that was a strong message for me. So I made a decision, no more, no more working weekends, no more evenings. I'm already suffering. So not working weekends anymore, not working evenings. In my view, back then, thought it won't make things any worse. But at least... If I earn a bit less money or a lot less money, I'll be living the life and with the people that I love the most. So I began to take my kids to school for the first time in a decade. Um, told my clients certain days I wouldn't work. I would have a Friday as my wife time. No, I call Jerry time. I call Geraldine um, uh, family time. And I set up all these new standards for my life that came from who I really was. I knew that this was the me in my life. Um, and it, uh, one of the things that did happen, I can share this with you now, is that... Um, it wasn't upwards in a, in a straight line. Often in life, when we get to, when we dare to be ourselves and to live as ourselves, the world doesn't, the world doesn't just welcome us and say, "Oh, great, we, you know, we were, you know, wondering." The world kind of said, "You know, what are you doing? Have you lost it?" <laughs> other people, other agents were saying, "You can't just stop seeing all those clients because there's income to be to be earned from them." And you know, and, and I said, "No, I have to because it's killing me." And um, so. Uh, Initially, I went backwards a bit. I went backwards in one area, and that was financially. I didn't mind that because I was already down. I had the debts and all the things. Where I went forward, I went forward in my spirit, in my heart, in my happiness, in my relationships, in my love, in my caring, in my connection. And I was able to bring that where the biggest shifts in my business results came from what I now call the A, B, C, and C. I started being my authentic, balanced, centered, and connected self. And when I began to do the A, B, C, and C, it was as if by magic that people in the business world, people I was trying to do business with and existing clients, just woke up and began to see me. And I really fancied that what they were seeing, and I coach this stuff now about you know, when you're authentic self, so few people are in business, that when, people, when you're your authentic self, people begin to see you and they really identify with that from a deeper level, unconscious, spiritually. When you're balanced in your dealings with everyone, not being a martyr, but not being greedy either, people begin to pick that up unconsciously. When you're centered, as in not so unenthusiastic, you couldn't sell you know, a, a warm room to a cold man, but at the same time, not being so high in energy that you put people off your message. It's really about being balanced, because it's not about you, it's about them. And when I realized when I was doing the authentic, balanced, and centered within all my business meetings, I, can, I keep saying this phrase over again, maybe I'll change it, maybe I don't. It was as if by magic, the connection just went ping. And people were just kind of connecting with me and saying, 
you know, you're not the cheapest, you're not the cleverest, you're not the closest or the most convenient to us, but you know what? We want to do business with you. And I think that every one of us at some deep level recognizes the part of the oneness that we're all part of. And when we see others, you know, lives are authentic, balanced, centered, their connections just open up. And that happened in my business, which, and people began to turn up within a few years. I became a millionaire. And, you know, I was able to earn a million dollars in just one year, the following year. And, of course, as I'm sure you'd appreciate, uh, is that that's when people began to turn up. <laughs> they began to say, we saw your business figures. How have you done this? You know, that's just the way the world is, isn't it? You know, so, and I began to actually, the business figures became because of who I became. When I changed, everything changed for me. So that, that's really part of the message there. I did have, you know, backwards and forwards in my, in my expansion. But the authentic, balanced, centered self, living as my true self, I genuinely know now that everyone else is looking to tune into people who are authentic, balanced, centered, and connected. And when, when you get that, your business will expand massively because other businesses aren't working on that basis. So this is a real-world result, not just a what you might call spiritual or metaphysical or philosophical philosophical result. Does, does that make sense how I put that? It actually, it it totally does. It it really reiterates for us um, and eloquently explains uh, one of the strongest messages we give on the show, which is it's not about going out into the world and telling the world what the truth is and telling them to wake up and telling them this and telling them that. It's simply about waking up yourself, living your life, living your passion, living your dreams, and then people will come to you and ask you, how'd you do that? And that's when you can explain to them how it happens. But you have to start with you first. You can't go out and tell the world that a truth is a truth until you've lived it. And I, I've been and, looking forward to uh, today's show. We, we uh, our, our process, Jean doesn't do much in the way of research, so she can bring the, the uh, listener uh, perspective and. I do a little bit of research, and um, so many of our guests that have had this kind of uh, uh, waking moment, uh, moment of clarity, uh, life-changing uh, thing, ha- have literally changed their life. They've dropped what they were doing and, and, and started doing something totally different, and it... It's one of those. It's one of those things where people, I think, sometimes I, I once assumed, and, and then now, of course, here I've gone and and, and done it really. But uh, I was not settled in what I was doing before that. I did a bunch of different things, and um, is that people sometimes draw this assumption that you know, well, okay, if I'm going to have one of these moments where I wake up to myself and to my relationship to everything else and uh, I'm going to have to move to the jungle and be a monk. And so it's, it's important. Well, it's important for me that, that some people know that it's not necessarily that what you're doing is the wrong thing. You're just doing it the wrong way and, or, as as you've so eloquently put it, as the wrong person. Yeah, I reckon that is so so true. Because you know, it is funny. You mentioned about 
the, the monk, you know, people have to going off and becoming a monk and because they feel that sometimes, you know, if they're going to give this value and spiritual and love and light to the world, they can't be almost like they can't be part of the world. And I think it's one of the biggest mistakes. Uh, I've kind of, since I've changed my own life around and began to then in the last three years, share the message through speaking, mentoring and, and, and coaching. I, I just really, it, to the degree it, it saddens me um, to keep meeting some of the most beautiful, I mean, energetically, spiritually, light, the most beautiful people that, that I didn't kind of meet before. The most beautiful people in the world I've met uh, around the world. And then have them give their last essence of being to you, to help you, to guide you, to love you and whatever. But found that a lot of them were struggling financially, were stressed, didn't have great health because of the knock-on effects of all of that. And I said, this is something that I've got to do, which is to, you know, to help others to, to know that as part of the oneness, yes, we are spirit and we are eternal beings and we come from light and we go back to light. But right here, now, we are in a physical world and it's okay to to understand and to work with these the same rules around gravity and that's all for the physical world but also is if you don't earn money you don't get to you don't get to keep your house it's okay to be uh prosperous for want of a better word but prosperous in this world you haven't got to give everything up because your being came to this world so it's really about being successful and happy here got the bird singing for us out there yeah, yes, uh, the birds sorry. agree. Well, Mountain home. Um, they agree. They agree. But it's true because we really do. We need we need people that are awake and aware and thinking about Conscious. c- consciously about their life in in Business, banking and, and yes, the corner yeah, store and politics yeah. and. You know medicine. Yes, because uh, yeah, I want to I want to talk to an aware and awake and an alert and conscious doctor when I go to the hospital. Yes. You know, and and that's that the biggest thing is that you you don't. Yes, okay. I I sound like a hypocrite because yes, I did give up my life as a waitress, left the city, and came to live in the mountains. But that's because I'm not a waitress. Yeah, I'm absolutely. not and a radio Amen. show host. Love that. I so that. I had to give that up to do this. Yes. But yeah. that doesn't mean that I need to regret the life that I had or that I need to say that we don't need waitresses. We do. Of course. I would love to go to a restaurant and have a beautiful, fluid conversation with an enlightened being standing at my table taking or, my order. Yeah. So many that enter the medical field and you ask them why. You know, while they're still young, before they've become jaded or any of the things that might happen in society, and it's you know, I want to help people. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So, yeah. it, it and you can help people doing. You know, we all need everything. We got to have accountants. We got to have doctors. We got to have yeah. people to haul away the trash. We got to yeah. have all of that. It, it still has to get done, and so it's. Uh, to me, it's the don't get into the the shame game where you know um, you've heard the stories of somebody they were a TV executive or, or a movie producer and they had this life changing event and now they you know live on a Buddhist retreat. Yeah. Uh, that that's what they do. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think what's key there, Rick, is that um, each to their own, we're part of the oneness. But what I think, when I woke up, I really realized, and I've learned, this is getting a stronger and stronger message to me as the years go by, is that this part of life, this part of the light was given to me. Not in, not in, a, in a selfish way, but for me to express to help the world in whatever way that I can. But also, when, as I realized that, that if it, I've, been, I've been living my life, as many of us know, we've all done it to a lesser and greater degree, living a life based on what the world, you know, very much in the matrix and what the world thinks we should do and have and what is success. Well, that's, the world's, that's how the world qualifies success. You must have that car and that house and have that much income. If you haven't got these things, according to the world, you're not a success. Well, who said so? Because my, my being didn't come here with those, with those attachments. So... When I uh, began, you know, this kind of this, this newer journey for, for me, I thought about, you know, um, Christ and uh, going going back to the to the Bible two thousand years ago. Um, you know, we were told that Christ was a carpenter till he was thirty, and um, his father Joseph, his earthly father Joseph, was also a carpenter. And I think it's fine um, to be a, a carpenter. Nowhere did it say in Scripture that. They made tables and chairs and cupboards and wardrobes and gave them away at the front door. It doesn't say that. They didn't give the stuff away. I think they were professional carpenters, which, we, which means they knew that they could add value to the world and it's okay to have value back. But adding that value in a way that's authentic and balanced and centered and connected with others in love and light for others, that's how we can get significant value into the world and significant value for, for ourselves. So I just thought it was really interesting that it didn't say that they just made stuff and gave it away. And I think if they had, it would have said so. Um, and the other well, thing that, I think I, certainly it would have. Yeah. And something else that came um, to me, that the, the, both the very first night and since then, were just, you know, again, just referring to the scripture for a moment, where it said that Jesus um, gave us a prayer, you know, that uh, Christians say, you know, most days, you know, the Lord's Prayer. And what kept coming back to me was, four words in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, which until that point, after 38 years, I really hadn't paid any attention to. I'd recited it and I guess had a vague idea what it meant, but really did not know. And the four words were, give us this day. Give us this day. See, when we talk about setting goals, goals are mainly ego or world-driven. The mind or the ego or what we think the world would have, have, have us be drives people when they set goals. So, and goals of future vision, of course, by definition, as human beings, we can't really help but setting goals for the future and saying to ourselves, when I've got X, Y, and Z, then I'll be happy. And that's the problem. That's where the happiness tends to stay, in the future. And then when we get there, we set other goals and say, when I get that, then I'll be happy. That weight, that job, that income. But go back to what Christ said as he walked around the earth. He said, uh, give us this day. I think he meant, he meant it because he said, you know, give us this day, be all we can be today, love today, share today, care today, learn of yourself, grow today, be you today. It's about the day. And I genuinely feel that he did not misspeak. It wasn't a slip of the tongue. If he meant to say, give us this week, give us this month, give us this fiscal year, give us this quarter, give us this three-year business plan, he'd have said so. Right, yeah, give me my five-year uh, well, my five year plan yeah, roadmap. Absolutely. He said, you know, and I think if you... Sorry. Take into account the, the next words, um, and, and this is—it's it, never, of course, that Jesus misspoke, but perhaps that we misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Give us this day our daily bread. We, we assume that means that give us today all the things that we need, but uh-huh. 
in this context, you could interpret that literally as this day is what we need. This day is our daily bread. It's our life force. It's our gift. It's our it's our eternal food, our nourishment. And give us this give us this opportunity to give. Maybe the daily bread is our opportunity to share rather than what we receive. Give us this day so that we can make a difference in the lives of others. Maybe, you know, that's because one part of I believe is that uh, we become who we are through what we through what we find in ourselves that we give out to others. You know, we, we we're all blessed with gifts and talents and abilities, and we couldn't possibly have those things inside of us with the objective to die with that stuff inside of us. It's clearly there to be given and shared with others. Um, and oddly enough, you know, later in Scripture, uh, Jesus says, "Have no worry about tomorrow." Which, for a while, I thought, "Well, how do you do that? How do you?" How is it possible for any of us, well, your listeners, to say, no, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And the answer goes back to the first, is that if we are all we can be, if we are our true selves, happy and doing and giving our gifts and our abilities to the world, authentic, balanced and centered, connected beings, we truly can say, my tomorrow is going to be okay. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to work on today. And I began to, to, to realize that, that the meaning in Scripture was more than just some casual reference. It was a, it, it was a guide. It was a... You know, about saying it was a message that the way to be happy is to recognize it. It's a happiness is a now experience. So we can't be happy tomorrow. That's tomorrow. And when we get to tomorrow, it becomes our present time experience. We can't be happy yesterday or tomorrow. We can only be happy in the moment. So, so many things came through to me that I'm sure, you know, um, Gene and Rick, we, with your experience, that it's about going to those messages on the inside of us and then daring to follow through. And I think that really is a sticking point for many people I've met around the world to say they do go inside and they do find something inside themselves. They do get the messages and do, they do discover the inner guru. But there's almost this reluctance to trust themselves and to begin to act from that place in what they might call the real world. Have you, have you found that? No, oh, absolutely. It was huge challenge, huge challenge for me um, because everything I ever knew was not what I wanted. Everything I'd ever done was not what I wanted. It wasn't who I, I, I was living a life that was so far afield of who I was. Um, and I had hidden it for so long, my inner desires mm-hmm. for expression. And I did not just hidden it from everybody that was in my life, but from myself. So, Wow. Yeah, it took a long time to try. Yeah. It can be a lot to look at all at once, I think. And it kind of comes like that in 10 seconds. You're like, yeah. You can look forward or you can turn back and go, oh my goodness, how did I, oh wow. And, and, and feel worse almost. Yeah. The, the thing about when we take time to, to go inside ourselves and to take that introspective journey, Medi- to meditate even, um, not just a meditation you know, for an hour in the morning, but to carry your meditation in your day because um, I, I've still had met lots of people and and I who, who meditate and what I, I love meeting people who literally carry their meditation throughout their day because that's what you need, isn't it? When the car, you know, when someone does a illegal maneuver on the motor on the freeway and cuts you up or when you're in a difficult meeting 
or the business isn't working well, or your boss is being tough on you, that's the time to carry your meditation. It's great having it there in the morning at six o'clock and when you're in your silence of your bedroom or your lounge or whatever. But you know what? We need to carry that place, that, that space that we find, that true self, that energy, to carry that right throughout the day, and that supports us. And it's also around, uh, again, because this is such a massive learning curve for me, recognizing the more I lived in my light, the more light I was able to share for other people. And I think it's almost, um, maybe responsibility is too strong a word. I almost found that I have to be my light. And, and, and to, for all of us, it's to be the light that others turn to when it gets dark. Because it will get dark for each of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we are on this spiritual journey, on the physical journey. Times will be dark. There will be job losses and losses of loved ones and, um, and foreclosures on property and business failures. And it's around people who are around us who are in the light that we can turn to when it gets dark. And no matter how dark it gets, if you turn on a light in a room, no matter how dark, in the deepest, darkest darkness, you turn on a light and all eyes turn towards the light. And that's how we get to, get to, to help one another, by, by being the light. Because was, and, and the great thing about being the light is, as I'm sure we, we, we've discussed, um, we meaning, you know, to your other guests, we've all had similar conversations, is that when you show you share your light, it lights the way for other people because they get turned on. Now you have two lights. That doesn't just help the person you've lit up. It also helps you. There's more light for you as well to see your way and find, find that pathway. So it's really... Um, and maybe responsibility is too strong, but I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But now, if we, we know we have light inside of us, the moment we wake up, we know that there's light. It's about sharing that light and then allowing it to shine as much as we can do, not necessarily for ourselves, but for another part of the oneness, for another being who's having trouble at that time. Um, but then, like you say, it does. It, 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 if there's five of us in the room and it's pitch black dark, and so then I turn on a light... And and so then you realize that you've got one, so you turn yours on. Well, now there's twice as much light in the room. Absolutely. So we can yeah. both see yeah. better. Yeah. And and so can the others around. And they may even be able to see that they have a flashlight, too. And uh, But it, responsibility, it, it, it's almost, you know, that dreadful self-interest thing. Mm-hmm. Because it does, it makes it lighter. It makes it brighter for you too. And um, you know, we have sometimes said it. Uh, Jane pointed out in her uh, book on her healing journey of you know, look, this is my healing, my healing journey. And if it helps you by default, that's not my fault. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, and because when, when we use the word responsibility. I think it honors us if we use it in the context of personal responsibility. Yes, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, to that honoring, which is remembering of, of ourselves, yeah, I, I agree. The, the thing that you mentioned, uh, Rick, when you were speaking um, a few minutes ago, was that um, when we wake up to ourselves, I can only work on and share my own experiences and then what I now help people to do uh, is to begin to trust ourselves on smaller things first because this is so important to know that when that light is there, you know, turn it on. Um, if you get guidance from within, you know, if you say go left instead of going right 
and it's coming from inside of you, from your essence, from your spirit, from your true self, not from your ego or your thinking mind. If you know it's coming from within and it says go left instead of right, well, go left. Call that client tomorrow, not today. Call tomorrow, not today. If it says, you know, I just followed my guidance through on small things and some big things. But as I began to, to guide and mentor other people, I realized that for some people, you know, it's that they, they needed to, to build their trust with themselves. See, our true selves will guide us. And when we listen and pay attention and act and follow through on the guidance from within, our true self says, okay, now you're paying attention. I'll give you a bit more. And then we follow through and take actions. Now you're, I'll give you even more. And it's as if to say, our true selves increase it's, increases the trust for us. As we begin to trust ourselves, our true selves trust us and will guide us in bigger and bigger areas of our life and of the world. And that's where our journeys really take on a fascinating dimension. And an experience that I had, which I wrote about uh, in the book, was so unexpected. And it was almost um, shocking. Um, was that As I woke up and revealed more of myself to myself and trusted whatever was coming up, I realized it didn't take any courage. It just took me following my truth. And I realized that my truth was stronger than courage. And when things went backwards for a while, in the very early days, and people said, you must have a lot of willpower to stick with this, these new standards that you've got. And I said, no, actually. I said, my truth is so much more powerful than any willpower. I'm not using willpower here. I'm just using my truth. This seems absolutely right. It's not taking any willpower. And then my truth began to, to guide me where I had issues in my past. You probably guessed that. <laughs> with self-esteem and lots of other things. And um, and some of my issues were, like, were decades old. And as I continued to trust myself, what really shocked me was that my my spirit began to give me back things to take care of. Things I'd forgotten that were at the back of my mind, small issues and big issues with relationships or people or things that hadn't been resolved in the past. Let's call it luggage. <laughs> I think everyone's covered, carried luggage in their past. And I had this luggage that I was carrying, some of which I knew, some of which I'd, I'd long forgotten, but it was affecting me. And my inner guru, my inner genius said to me, um, do one of three things. Now, laugh it away. Now, I think many of us have had problems in the past, which now we just laugh at. So how, did I, how on earth did I let that thing get me down? How funny is that? We can laugh at them. And my true self trusted me and he gave it back to me to say, you can laugh now at this. Another time it would give me ideas, it would say, actually, you know, this used to hold you back and this was an issue. Throw it in the bin. Throw, you know, get rid of it because it's 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 pathetic. It, it makes no sense now. It's not part of who you are anymore. Throw it away. And I'll just take that old issue and I'll just throw it away. And other times you'd say to me, "This needs sorting." I go, "Wow, this one's twenty years old, or this one's five years old. I've got to go to that person. I've got to go and see that old friend or that family member. I've got to sort this thing out." When I I haven't even got words to express that how I felt, but when I realised that my true self, my inner guru was actually trusting me back and giving me things that were weighing me down at exactly the right time and knew I could handle them. And they told me, laugh it away, throw it away, or sort it away. And I did exactly that. And really, the burden became so much lighter. And that's where that trusting ourselves is a two-way relationship. It's about we have that trust. And as our spirit knows we're paying attention and trusting, it gives us more. That's such a beautiful way to, to put that. Uh, people sometimes say, you know, I started working on, you know, the little silly things like 
parking places and this and that. And I had a urge to call so and so, so I did. And then all of a sudden, these issues came up. What am I doing wrong? Mm. You're not doing anything wrong. You're doing something right. Because if instead of having uh, a fit that the issue came up, if you just kind of look at it, that's I, I find that that throw it in the bin works often because it's like you look at it and you go, well, that just doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> it's just garbage. <laughs> yeah. But you have to come at it with your new eyes. You don't uh, go back, pick up the luggage, open it up, and then you know put on the glasses that are in the bag and look at it again because it'll look like the big hairy monster again. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think that's where the trust of true self comes in. Um, and you know, done with you found this change. But as you strengthen the connection with your true self, it knows when you can handle it. It doesn't give you that old case into you that it knows you can do it. And that, I'm just, I said, I didn't know this stuff. It's just become my experience. Absolutely, that's been that's been my entire journey. Has you know, it, very early on, even when. There was so much I had yet to learn, and there is still today so much I have to learn, which is why life is so cool. Um, but very early on, I figured out that I was quite literally being fed my issues as I was able to deal with them. And it, it was almost like they came up after the solutions presented themselves. You know what I mean? Like the solution came nice. first. That's nice. And that to, that to me was fascinating to watch. And I'm still, I mean, there's still stuff with my past that I'm, I'm dealing with, still hang-ups that I have to get over or throw in the bin or or laugh at. Um, but it, it doesn't, it's not a burden anymore so much as it's become an adventure. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, yeah. The funny thing that I also realized that, um, did you realize I was a genius? Well, I realized that all humans are geniuses, actually. I mean, that's kind of my... <laughs> Bit of a pause there, wasn't there? Well, because my mind went immediately, well, yeah, duh, um, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Well, um, just because I think all humans are geniuses. Absolutely infinite knowledge. Yeah, I didn't know that. I got to 38 without without realizing that I was a genius within it. On the very first uh, um, page of the book, I talk about, you know, I woke up and I realized I was a genius because I had a guru inside of me. And knowing my life as it had been and the the background and the problems that I had and the challenges and everything else, issues, and everyone has their issues, I realized the way I turned my life around wasn't through my thinking self. It wasn't through my ego. It was from something inside of me, the inner genius. And what I say is that if I'm a genius, every single one of us is the genius. I think genius was, was, was your point. Every one of us has that. And the, the, the part that made me go, wow, was when I realized, you know what? I therefore must have been a genius all that time, all that time of suffering and pain, not going inside, not trusting myself, not following the guidance, not being willing to pay attention um, and think I need to be something else. Not, I was living in a world of non-self. When you're your non-self, you're far away from your genius. You're more into mind and ego. And um, so every one of us is a genius. 
because as you beautifully put there, we come from the oneness, we come from infinite intelligence, we come from the source. Part of the genius of the universe, therefore, is in us. So when we want to change the world, or even maybe just change our world or the world of another, it's about going inside and tapping into that and recognition. This is not theory. This is not theory. This is, this is spiritual and quantum physical facts. We're, we're part of the universe. And if it's an intelligent universe, I'm part of that intelligence. We bring that into our lives. And we can create change in a way that, you know, one of the most um, uh, fun things for me was that I woke up and I, I began to realize I was very, very creative. Well, I hadn't been creative before. And I could do things um, that really were just opened up to me. You know, I worked in, um, in my business in a dramatically more creative way and an open way. I was approached by someone who in some way must have known my spirit and asked me to executive produce a film, a film short. And they didn't know, they couldn't possibly have known that inside my, my spirit was, uh, I wanted to do something in film. And both, I'd written nothing for myself and also wanted to convert a book into a film. But my ego, my mind kind of said, that's probably not going to happen in this life. And then someone approached me and said, look, I know these wonderful people in London. And they've got people who can give them money, but they need someone to kind of hold it together. They're a film production company, a couple of well-known actors. They just have been working for seven years and can't get this thing together. Do you think you could executive produce the film for them? I know you haven't done that before, but I thought I'd ask you. <laughs> and I thought, you know, there's no real answer for that. But my, my answer in the moment was, yeah, I can. I went inside and I, what came out was, yeah, you can do this. I had no idea how to do it, but I knew that I could. So I executive produced this film short called Of Mary and what this director called Adrian Lester, you know, who's um, currently starring as a, a fellow at the Stratford upon Avon. Um, it rave reviews, it's got OBE, um, Order of the British Empire. But the people him and around, guys around him couldn't quite work out what they had. They were geniuses. So when I met with them, I just said, wow, of course we can do this. And I knew I had to do very little, apart from hold the space for them to say, yeah, you can do this, you guys. You've got that. You know, as it turned out, we, we made the film. It was screened at Raindance. Um, it won the, uh, in America last year, Best Short Film at the PAFF um, Film Festival. Um, first ever. So what I'm sharing here is that I keep meeting with people who begin to recognize that when they tap into themselves, there's far more than we are thinking about. And we can set goals around what we do because there's far much more inside of us that we don't even know that we can't set goals about. So part of the practical part of the philosophy says, well, stop goals. That's probably causing a disconnect between who you really are and how you're being in the world. Instead, go inside and set standards from within for your life and be your true self and see what comes up. Because there's nothing you can think about that will be as great as what is really inside of you already. And that's how we make up the magic in our lives for ourselves and others. Absolutely, and and that right. that letting go of the Beautiful fear. Beautiful way to sum it up. You know that not accepting that I can't. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of how this whole radio thing happened. I'm terrified to talk in in public. Terrified. <laughs> Absolutely terrified. You surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> Your energy is really kind well, of uh, right. So connected. Yeah, lovely. Well, but Rick said, "Hey, you want to do this thing?" And I. For the first, no, the second time in my life, said I'm not going to be afraid of this, and I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to see what happens. And now I, I love 
my job. I love what I do. I love this. This, this to me is yumminess. Um, and that, that's my message to people. It's like, oh, the fear. Don't tell yourself you can't do something. Just try. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and don't hold that judgment that you have to be the monk in the, on the mountaintop to be having a spiritually fulfilling life. Uh, get back to our Celtic Christian friend that, you know, ancient Hebrew, there was no separate term. It's, you're a spiritual being having a physical experience. So if you're doing it, it's spiritual. Um, and it, it, but that was, that was a beautiful way to, to, uh, uh, sort of pull it together there. We have thousands of podcast listeners versus, uh, you know, dozens of live listeners. So uh, for our podcast listeners out there who might not be close to a screen uh, jogging at this time or whatever, uh, the the best place for them to find out more about you or uh, if they're feeling inspired to to work with you because you, you do coaching, you uh, uh, speaking, uh, I, would I suppose be the Derek-Mills.com? That's right. Yeah, that's that's the best way. And uh, to, if it's okay for me to mention, I, I do the, on the website itself. There's um, I understand that most of us have been taught for the last hundred hundred years or so to be happy and successful. It's about setting goals, and I know that. But I tend to ask. I know it's somewhat um, uh, going against the grain, but I can only speak speak what's true for me. And that is that the question I ask is, how's that working out for you? How's it working out for any individual? How's it working out for the country? How's it working out for the world? If goal is what we need to be happy and successful in this world, how come everyone isn't happy and successful? How do they quantify success? Because to me, I've got to include happiness in there somewhere, otherwise it's it's not success. So when I say, you know, stop sending goals, it's because I, I've done the research. and We did some research last year when I launched the book to say we discovered only 3% of North Americans, in their words, were stating that they achieved their life's goals. What about the other 97%? And if they're deferring their happiness for a future time, does that mean that most people are unhappy or miserable where they are waiting to be happy? So you can't wait to be happy. It's a now experience. So uh, when I began to talk about standards, standards say, you know, it's, it's about what you do today. And you go within, discover the, your, what your standards are in the seven key areas of your life. And from that place, set standards. And just commit to living your standards, sticking the standards, being the standards just for today. Give us this day. In other words, whatever you discover about yourself, the right standards, the right, the right basis, criteria, rules, qualities for your health, your relationships, your family, your career, your time, your environment, whatever you discover when you go inside of you that is right for you, just commit to doing it just for today, to being that person, sticking to those standards just one day. Because in reality, that's all we've got. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We've only got today. So the great thing about standards, it takes the pressure off. It says... Just stick at your standards just until you get your head back on your pillow tonight. Pressure off. And if the good Lord gives you tomorrow, if the universe allows you one more day in this physical body, then that's just another today. Now stick to your standards for just that day. Not for three years of your business plan, just for today. Uh, so on the website, when I, when I mention that, it says a, a download about how, how anyone can have a review of their old standards. Where do they come from? How do I get these old standards? Do they still serve me? And the word that Jean used earlier on, do those standards still honor me? Do they still remember who I am? Do they still honor me? And whatever standards don't honor and serve us, we can let them go. 
we are allowed to let those go that no longer honour and serve us, and we can set new standards that do honour us and that do service. And we just make a commitment to be that just until we get to bed tonight, and that's it. So that's a free download on the website. So thank you very much for mentioning that. But that for me is around a different concept for many people, and it is a very practical philosophy. So just to talk about here's what we do each day in order to help you to become your true self, a genius into your life. And on the website, there are other resources, and that might help as well. It's fantastic. It's good stuff. Uh, you sign up right there to the at the top right. Uh, yeah. for that at, at the website. Yeah. Uh, I just want to thank you again for uh, uh, joining us, sharing your time, talent with us. And um, uh, for our listeners, we'll be back tomorrow evening with uh, David Ison, who is a musician and founder of the Institute of Creative Consciousness. And uh, uh, so we'll have more music tomorrow. And uh, uh, fun stuff at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, our usual Thursday evening time. And uh, we hope that uh, y'all can join us then. And uh, until then. Yeah. Can I say thank you? Oh, sorry, say thank you. Sorry. Oh. If it's okay, if it's Jean, we'd say thank you very much for sharing this conversation. It's, it's been, I'm sitting here now feeling really, really um, uh, in, in a great place. Um, I want to thank you for, for for helping to create that and for having me on your show today. And hopefully, some something that what we've shared and discussed today can help other people out there. And um, and that's that's really my, my thanks to you and, and God bless you. Oh, blessings, Doctor. You've been an absolutely wonderful um, guest to have on the show, and I'm, I'm you know so pleased to have made the connection with you. Really. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. So you were saying, Jane, until next time? <laughs> <laughs> to our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves. Stay connected. Have a great day, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Everyday Connection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life.
The only question before that question, how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. 